If you're thankful for the presence of God, can you give a shout of praise right now? How many of you guys have enjoyed the rain that we've had the last few days? I'm not trying to drum anything up. That ain't my style. But y'all, I want y'all to hear my heart tonight. I'm ready for the rain of the Holy Spirit to come down in this place tonight. Is anybody else with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you right now, Lord. We are thankful for this time of worship, Father God. We, Lord, we ask you to bless this word that you've given to me, God. Lord, for the next few minutes, Lord, just you work through me, God, and speak this word over your people. And we all said, amen. You may go ahead and be seated. I'm going to be preaching tonight out of the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, 16 through 23. And let me just say, I really want to say to everybody, thank you so much for all the candy you have been donating to help out with Safe Zone tomorrow night. That is at 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, I know the price of everything is just going skyrocketing, and I appreciate your all's faithfulness in helping us get that goal. We did get all the candy that we needed, so thank you so much. Ephesians 1, 16 through 23 says this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe. According to the working of the great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but in the one that is to come, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This evening, for just the next few minutes, I'm not going to be long. I want to talk about a sermon I want to title, May Your Eyes Be Opened. Here in the book of Ephesians, and the author of this book is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing the church at Ephesus. And I like this because when you understand a little bit of biblical history about the church, Ephesus, it consisted mostly of Gentile converts. Historians say out of all the Gentile churches that Paul established, the church at Ephesus was considered to be one of the most mature churches. No church, now listen to this, saw more miracles or matured quickly than the church at Ephesus. And the Bible tells us it was at Ephesus in Acts 19, that is where the handkerchiefs and the aprons that after Paul had prayed were sent out to people and they had been anointed with oil and they were sent out to people where they received them and they were healed miraculously. Sickness left their bodies, demonic spirits left the bodies and the power of God moved mightily and miraculously. And the Bible said, according to the history that is here in this particular letter, Paul is not really confronting any heresy or anything sort of that in these letters, but here Paul is encouraging them. Paul is desiring for them to have a biblical understanding when it comes to their position and place in God and the power and the work of the body of Christ from God Almighty. And here in chapter one, where Paul begins to talk or call to remembrance, the scripture that said to this congregation or to the people, he said, ever since the first day that I have heard of your faith, you have been saved. He said, I did not cease to pray for you. 
I'm sure Paul prayed for them to be saved, but notice after they were saved, Paul did not cease to pray. You see, there is one, there is one thing to pray for people to be saved, but when you see they are saved, we don't stop praying. Because we as a church and a body for Christ aren't just praying for salvations alone, but we are also praying for transformation. Paul said, I travail that Christ would be formed in you. So in other words, we just don't want people to be born again and to be saved, but we want and desire for Christ to be formed inside of them. So it takes prayer to get them in, and it takes prayer for Christ to grow in them. Amen? Paul begins to say this prayer, and I want to take you through it and go over some of the lines. And he said, I begin to pray. And the first thing that goes on here, he said, I want to pray this, that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. One translation put it like this, a spirit and a wisdom or a revelation to know him fully. Another one says to make you more aware and discerning in knowing him personally. In other words, Paul's prayer is this, I want to make sure that you understand what it means to be saved. And that is about a relationship with God. You see, there is an introduction at the altar, but it has to move from introduction to intimacy. And it's possible, hear me now, it's possible to know God, or should I say know about God, and not know him. There are people in this world that preach about him, but don't know anything about him. We have people in this world who will sing about him on, on Sundays, but they don't even know what they're singing about. There are even people who are serving in our churches, but they do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, let me explain it to you this way. Somebody in here is thinking that crying baby is bothering me and it has music to my ears, so you let that baby cry. Let me explain it this way. Something you all probably do not know about me in all this time that you've known me. I like sports. In fact, I love sports. There are teams and sports that I could rattle off crazy, insignificant stats that would drive you up a wall. Like, why does somebody even need to know that? And I'm sure, 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 you've never heard me or seen me in, in, a, in a certain color around here, but there's this one. <laughs> but there's this one team. Hey, when, I'm, when we're eight and no, I'm working this into the sermon. That's all there is to it, okay? But when I, I, there's one team that I love, and I love my Tennessee Volunteers. And one of my favorite, favorite players of all time was this little known, unknown quarterback called Peyton Manning. For example, I could tell you about Peyton Manning in college. He threw for over 11,000 yards, played in 45 games, had 89 touchdown passes. He then got drafted in the NFL, the number one pick in the NFL. 71,000 yards passing in his career, 539 touchdowns, five-time MVP, won two Super Bowls. I could tell you about all the commercials he's been in. You think I'm joking? Look at my wife. She's saying no right now. All the other stuff about his personal life. I could go on for the next seven to eight minutes and give you a dissertation about and over his life Based, and based off what I could tell you, some of you in this room would believe that me and him actually know each other. But in reality, outside of on TV or in the uh, uh, reading about him, I have never laid eyes on Peyton Manning. You see, I can read about him, I can study about him, but it does not mean that I know him. You see, the word know comes from the word gnosko, which means to come close, to have an intimate relationship. And I just want to stop right here for a second and say, you know what? We have to move from religion 
to relationship and not get stuck in the external motions of church. Not just doing all the churchy stuff. Salvation and Christianity is about an inside relationship with Jesus Christ. Church, you have got to know him and not just know about him. Matthew 16 says this. I love this and I give you this example. Jesus came to disciples and he said, who do men say that I am? And the Bible said in Matthew 16, 14, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some say uh, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said, no, stop. Who do you say that I am? And you know, it's funny that they gave several examples when, they, when he said, who do they say I am? But catch this, only one person responded when he said, who do you say that I am? And it was Peter, and I love his response. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied that flesh and blood, external stuff, did not reveal this to you, but it was an inward witness of my Father in heaven who's shown you this. I had this thought this weekend, I hope this is an example of the church as a whole today, but one out of 12 was able to answer in that moment who he was. And I would hate to go down an aisle tonight and come to the 12th person and say, do you know who he is? You know, we have to get away from what was said in Matthew 16 where it says, will some say, no, we have to get away from that. We have to get this area where we say, you know what? What we hear about Jesus and when we're answering him, who do you say that I am? Church, we each have to say, I know who Christ is in my life. Understand, I'll put it like this. When it comes to religious practices, they are there to serve your relationship. They are not to replace your relationship. Coming to Sunday morning alone is not going to get you to heaven. You have to open this Bible. There has to be a prayer life. There has to be a discipleship life in there somewhere. And there has to be personal accountability. And here's what I've learned for myself, for example, with kids. And when it, I know it's different for everybody. And when your kids start growing up and you're bringing them to church and everything and the struggles of being a parent in this world and making all the decisions you have to make. But I've told my wife, and I don't say this for glory, I don't say this for pride, it's where I am and it's the, it's the boundary that I've laid down. I, and I want y'all to hear my heart on this. I do not desire for Peyton and Cooper to fall in love with church. Hear me. My first priority as their father is I want them to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Because I promise you, when you fall in love with Jesus, you will then fall in love with his church. When you fall in love with Jesus, no one will have to pump you up in prayer and praise. When you fall in love with Jesus, it won't matter who's preaching behind the pulpit. Your desire and heart will say, I'm coming to hear the word of the Lord tonight. When you fall in love with Jesus, better take a drink of water on this one. When you fall in love in Jesus, we won't have to call and, and, and wonder and everything where you are because it's been six weeks. Because when you fall in love with Jesus Christ, there is something that will stir in every part of your body that says, I can't wait to get together with the believers and worship my God. When you fall in love with Jesus, my mindset will, my mindset will shift to saying, I don't care what song's being played. 
I don't care what the Sunday school department's doing. I don't care. I've got to get there and I've got to encounter the presence of Christ tonight. You will wake up and there will be a joy in your heart that can't be contained. Like in Psalms 118, this is the day the Lord had made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Your heart and your spirit will be saying, not only is it Sunday or Wednesday yet, but I am preparing myself now on Tuesday and Thursday and Friday for what's coming. But not only that, let me add something else in there. What can I do in my community this week to show somebody the love of Jesus Christ? Now catch this last part. When you fall in love with Jesus, you will fall in love with what concerns him. He goes on to say this. I pray, notice this, that you would know him. And then he said, I love this. I pray that your eyes of understanding will be enlightened. That your eyes of understanding. Now I need to put a point of difference out here. Some of you are probably thinking that I'm talking about your natural eyes. But he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about the eyes. He wasn't talking about the eyes on your head. He was referring to the eyes of the heart. And notice what the Bible text says. The eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Church, hear what I'm about to say. The eyes of your head give you sight. But the eyes of your heart are going to give you vision. Sight is a function of the eyes. But vision is a function of faith. Sight is the ability to see things as they are, but vision is the ability to see things as they could or should be. Sight is confined to your current environment, but vision sees beyond where you are into future possibilities. You see, when God came to little Jeremiah, Jeremiah was complaining about his age, nothing to say, not knowing how to do things, just complaining, and God says, stop. In 1 Jeremiah 1.10, God says, see today. I have appointed you over nations and kingdoms to tear down, to root up, to plant, and to build up. What was God talking about there? We were just in chapter one. Nothing has happened for Jeremiah. He's still young. But what was God saying to Jeremiah? He's saying, I need you to get a vision in your heart about what I'm talking to you about and what I'm going to do in you and through you. God is saying, quit looking at where you are right now with natural sight. What I'm trying to impart into you is some vision for life that is greater than where you're at right now. You know, God said the same thing to Joshua in Joshua 6.2. God said, see, I have given you Jericho. You see, most, people, most normal people would see Jericho, see the walls. But God said, Joshua, I don't want you to see walls. I need you to see victory. Because I've already given you the kings, the soldiers, the walls are coming down. And I don't know about you, but I want the eyes of my heart to open to things that I never thought were possible in these last days. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, eye has not seen nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men those things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. And it ends with this. Yes, even the deep things of God. I don't know about you, but one of my biggest prayers to God as we're heading into the end of this year and into 2023 is God, give me clear revelation for my family, for my ministry. What are you wanting me to do at this time in my life? And the one thing that I'm, I know that I'm focused on is this. I am planting seeds of ministry and opportunity that I'm gonna harvest in the years to come if God tarries. Supernatural insight, which is not normally attained. Supernatural. Able to see what you couldn't see by yourself. You know, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to show us things that we've never seen before. The Holy Spirit can open the eyes of your heart to see what others have looked over. 
You know, I'll put it like this. Back in the Old Testament, the cloud, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, the Bible said in Exodus 14.20, it was darkness to the Egyptians, but it was light to God's people. Y'all, I know this world is dark. There's a lot of evil in it, uh, in this world. And the Bible says dark days are coming. But over in Isaiah chapter 60, he didn't stop there because the Bible says, arise and shine, for the light has come upon my church. And even, even in dark times, there is a light that can change things, and that light won't leave you. It will guide your path and keep you on the straight and narrow. God, open our eyes to the harvest field of Butler County in these last days. I need my eyes open. You need your eyes opened. Understand and listen to this and see that they were saved. But Paul said, I need to continue to pray that you can see. See, Satan couldn't keep them from being saved because they were already saved. But what the enemy will try to do, even though you are saved, is to try and stop you from seeing. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Listen to this, so to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The enemy blinds the minds of unbelievers, but in the name of Jesus, I want and believe that we are seeing this harvest coming. You know, sons and daughters that we've been praying for for a long time, and let me encourage some parents in here tonight. Parents, the prayers that you have been doing, don't give up. Keep a kingdom mentality and keep your eyes of your heart fixed on the promises of God. You know what, I've got family members that I've had on a prayer list for 20 years, and I still haven't got to mark them off saying they're saved yet. I don't want to give up. In fact, I think we need to pray harder than we ever have before. And if you're in agreement with me, can I get an amen? amen. Think about this. He said blind. And think about blinds in your home. And I was thinking about this. And see, when you have blinds in your home and you shut the blinds at night, watch this. The blinds don't stop the sun from shining, but they do keep the light from coming in. And when it's bedtime at my house, y'all, I want every blind shut. I want every light off. I want it dark. Can I get an amen? I want total, complete darkness. I don't even want to light off somebody's phone. I may need to stay at somebody's house tonight, but anyway. You know, and if I shut off every light, every light off in my house, and even come here to this worship area, and I could block off everything and turn off every light in here, and have it very, very dark, you know what's gonna happen? Everything's gonna look the same. Because when you are in darkness, there is no distinction. When you are in darkness, there is no difference. And what the enemy will try and say is, if I can just get you, and he will do this even if you are saved, what the enemy will try and do is say, let me see if I can keep you from having distinction. And what he will do is he will like, you know what, let me just see if I can try to keep you from fitting in and, and maybe you'll just go with the flow and in return he will keep you in darkness for the rest of your life because at this point there is no distinction. You're just doing what everyone else is doing and it's no big deal. You're going where they're going. You're saying what they are saying. You're allowing things into your mind and your heart because everyone else is doing it. And when you're allowing the enemy to keep you there, church, you are in darkness and there is no distinction. Not only all this, but it's hard to have direction in the dark. You can't see where you're going. And if you're in this place I'm talking, and I'm talking about, I want you to know, if no one has ever told you this right now, if you're in a dark place in your life, God still has a plan. 
His plan does not change, and he wants you to be a part of this plan. This is what had to happen to the Apostle Paul. He was walking along in the wrong direction. He was going down a dark road of destruction, but here comes the love of Jesus Christ, and I'm praying in the same way it will hit our community. While he's going down this dark road of destruction, the Bible says in Acts 9-3 that there was a light that shone from heaven and it knocked Paul down from his place of authority. And the Bible says he fell to the ground, and I love this. Now catch this with me. His eyes were open even though he was blinded. His eyes were open, but he could not see. Let me give you some information here. The scripture said this, and this is what I love. For three days, he had no sight, nothing. He ate nothing. He drank nothing. And while he is in this time, the Bible said that he called to a man named Ananias. And God said to Ananias, I need you to go to Paul. And Ananias was given direction from God. Go, lay hands on him that he might recover his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. But the Bible said Ananias was like this. God, anybody else heard a report like yourself on this? I've heard many reports about this person, all the harm he has done. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. And you know what God still said? Go. This is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name. In other words, God said, yeah, I know about his past. I know about his issues, his struggles, his mess ups, his dysfunction, his mistakes. But guess what God said? I still have a purpose for him. Let me just say this real quick. You need to be real careful who you qualify for God. Be careful when you say God can or can't use someone. Be careful when you say that person is or isn't called to what God has for them. God said, I see all this junk, but I have called him, and Ananias shows up, lays his hands on Paul, and watch in verse 18 of this passage. Immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he could see again. And guys, I'm telling you, some of us need, us need to have things fall off our eyes like Paul did so we can see what God is wanting to do in these last days. We don't need to be blinded by the things of this world. You know, not only blinds, but blindfolds. Blindfolds don't stop your vision from you totally seeing. They're just temporarily. They impair your sight. They cover up your eyes. And this thought came to me. The, the, world, the Bible says worldliness is one of the ways the enemy can blindfold us as believers. Yeah, you're saved. Yeah, you love God, but you're carnal. There is one reason we go through times of fasting to get away from these things and to focus on God. Notice what one of these carnal things is. It's the lust of the flesh and the eyes. And the pride of life, the scripture says, we get covered in worldliness. And here's where I want to get to, and I want you to focus just here on the here and now. You see, less, lust and flesh is all about this. Me, me, me. Mine, mine, mine. Now, now, now. This can only see itself and what it wants. But you see, God wants to loose us from selfishness and instant gratification being caught up in the temporal things of this world. How many of you know that there's more to life than this right here and now? But what about eternity? What about Jesus returning? What about being a blessing to others? I got a hit on this blind thing. You know, the enemy will try to blind us with blind spots. I read the statistic, what, a, what is a blind spot? It is an area around a vehicle that cannot be directly observed by the driver while at the steering wheel. And I want you to listen to what I'm saying. So it's an area that I cannot see, but it's got direct effect on me. 
And according to statistics, there are over 840,000 wrecks in America in a given year. And these are all due to blind spots. 300 of these wrecks end up with a fatality, all because of a blind spot, because of an area that I cannot see, but it's got direct effect on me. What do I mean by blind spots? Church, I'm talking about the blind spots of our own lives. When I or you become blinded to things in our lives, here's what I mean. When we start justifying things in our lives and that we know are not right. Here's some scripture for you. Proverbs 16, 2. All the ways of men are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. We will justify anything we want. And I think, I know, think, oh, God is okay with this. God is okay with that. God doesn't care about that being in my life or what relationship I'm in right now that's keeping me out of church and my calling. You see, when you look at yourself with your own eyes, you will manipulate scripture. You will turn and twist scripture to fix the sin in your life. And this is what I mean by a blind spot. Blind spots are bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, and anger. Blind spots of holding grudges against people, against family members. Blind spots are all about you. You can tell everyone else what's wrong with them, but if you look over Matthew 7, 5, what about the beam in your eye? In Isaiah 6, the year that King Uzziah died, this king was puffed up with pride, and watch this part, King Uzziah died with leprosy, which is skin disease. In other words, this is a bad disease. And Isaiah was saying, then I saw the Lord high and lifted up. In other words, when he said, Lord, he saw God supreme. I saw God for the first time as King of King and Lord of Lords. But he didn't stop there. He said, I saw myself and he said, woe is me. You know, when you're in the middle of the fast and attempting to get closer to God and line up with what he wants, you will start praying things like, I don't want anything in me, God, that's gonna dishonor you. God, I don't want anything that's going to be a blind spot in my life that will cause separation from you, that will cause problems in my relationships with my family, that will cause problems in my marriage, that will cause problems in the way I'm raising my kids. You see, at this point, you're gonna start praying like David in Psalms 139. Search me, O Lord, know my heart, try me, Lord, and know my thoughts, and if there be any wicked ways in me, lead me in the way everlasting. God, may our eyes be open to your will like never before. I mean that. God, may my eyes be open to your will, not what I want, not an agenda, not a denomination, not a trend, but God, whatever you are wanting to do, open my eyes to it. I'm gonna give you these final things here. Make sure their eyes are open to the hope of their calling. Notice that, the hope of their calling. What got me here is he, is, he, he, is, he has hope connected with them seeing. So in other words, could it be that hopelessness is tied to sight issues? Maybe hopelessness is because my perspective or my focus is on the wrong thing. The Bible said, watch. Look not at things that are, that are seen but the things that are unseen with the eyes of your heart because the things that which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not are eternal. I thought to myself, wait a minute, I don't care how bad it is. I had this thought, don't care how bad it is. It's temporary. Some of you all didn't hear me in that right now or else you'll be shouting. 
If your eyes are open to the things of God, you know what you're gonna say? I know it's tough right now. I know inflation is hurting everybody. I know it's, it's tough times right now. I know things aren't going the way we all want, but you know what? I'm gonna be in this last season. Things won't always be like they are right now because what I'm going through is temporary and it's light compared to the eternity and what God has before me. He said, I want you to know the hope of your calling. That word calling means to be called out or he is referring to the called out ones. And what he is saying is if you are part of the called out ones and you're here tonight because you are the church, you are the hands and the feet, he said, I need to remind the called out ones that no matter how bad things get, hear me on this, you have hope. And biblical hope is a confident expectation that's built on a solid certainty. This isn't wishful thinking. This isn't, I'm gonna cross all my fingers and just hope it works out. This is built on the solid certainty of God Almighty and his word that he is faithful to come through everything that you and I are going through. He will bring you out. If you believe your God is still faithful when even bad reports come, bills that are stacking up, relationships in bad shape, if you still can hold on that he is faithful, it's gonna be okay. I don't know if you've heard this, but God is credible. And I don't care what may be surrounding you and making you feel like you wanna give in and quit right now in your life. I don't care if the odds are stacked against you. I am praying this prayer that your eyes will be open like never before, that you will know that there is still hope in your family. There is more with your children than what is in this world. And if God be for us, who can be against us? I'm not sure if you're hearing me tonight, guys, but we have hope. He also said, I want you to know that you have an inheritance too. In the opening verse of Ephesians, you have an inheritance. Listen to this, to this Bible. Uh, the Bible says you and I have already been given. Listen, we've already been given. That means past tense. All things pertaining to life and godliness. Peter tells us that he has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. And Ephesians says he has blessed us with some, a few, couple, no. Every spiritual blessing in high places. So when Jesus Christ hung on the cross, paid the price, he didn't just stop at getting you and I saved. He prayed the price that your needs would be met even before you had the need. And I wanna throw this at you and stay here with me for a second. Do you realize that there are no new creations anymore? No, 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 I know we have new creations in Christ, but there are no new creations. You don't hear people saying, oh wow, look, there, there's some, something, some new creation, we've never seen it before. What you do hear is a new discovery. And what someone is saying with this discovery is, you see something is discovered. I mean that it's, it means that it's always been there. But we are just now coming into the knowledge of it. And I, can I tell you that everything we need to fulfill God's plan and purpose on this earth has already been giving, and that's why we need to be praying to God, may our eyes be open like never before. And in doing so, we'll discover what's already been given to us. But we won't see it with these eyes. It's going to take the Holy Ghost to open spiritual eyes because it's a spiritual blessing that are already laid up for each and every one of us. If the worship team would go ahead and come, please. And that's why the Holy Ghost leads us, watches over, and guides us. 
And that's why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why it's so important to have a relationship with God the Father and be praying to him and having communication with him to have a pure heart. God will guide you and I to places we've never thought possible. Remember what it says. The things I have prepared for you, it's already there. It's there for you. But it takes spiritual enlightenment to discover. Here's my last thought. And he said this, I pray this, and this is what got me. That your eyes would be open to the power we have. This got me because sometimes I wonder, do we shy back when we start talking about the supernatural power of God? I had to learn, there was a season in my life where I had to admit I was like that. But I have come to the point in my life where I refuse to let a spirit of fear or, a di- or, or doubt grip my heart. We as a church cannot, cannot abandon the authenticity of the power of God, the miracle working power of God because of what others in this world may have abused. God is God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His power is the same. He has not changed. There is still miracle working power. And the thing the Holy Ghost dealt with me about is this. I read this in Acts 19, 11 last night. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Notice it said God worked. It said it right there in Acts 19, 11. Now God worked unusual miracles. And I believe that I'm still part of a body of believers who believes that a God sent over 2,000 years ago, his son to die on a cross and worked miracles. And I believe in October 2022, God can still do unusual miracles. Do you agree with me tonight? I'm just gonna go ahead and prophesy it right now. Throughout this body, we need miracles. Not just common, common run of the mill miracles, but we need death ears to open. We need bodies restored. We need unusual miracles in this body of believers tonight. Can I get an amen? God, open my eyes to the unusual. Open my eyes to what I've never seen before. God, open my eyes to experience the unusual power like never before. Do you believe God can do it? There's a couple of you in here. Do you believe God can do something unusual? Do you believe in God for unusual miracles in this coming year? Do you believe in your finances, in your family, in your ministry? This has been my prayer the last few days. God, over the palace of praise and our people, unusual blessings, unusual harvest of souls in this community and our area. God, unusual moves of God. I gotta stop right there. I gotta share this story that's so powerful. This has been a story that's just been feeding me all summer. I'm gonna try and come back to this. You all know me. I love kids. I love kids camp. That's probably one of my heartbeat. And this summer at kids camp, something happened. I know some of my workers were there. They saw this moment. But there was this girl, and her name's Presley. Presley Duncan. And she came up to me. 
That family's going through a lot if you don't know. And she was crying and she said, Pastor Mike, I said, Presley, what's wrong? What do you need prayer for? She said, Pastor Mike, I'm fine. But I know that before I leave this camp, I've got to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost because I don't want to face another day without him. You all, if a fifth grade girl can come to that conclusion, surely we can too. And that's where this next prayer comes out. Unusual outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God, I am asking tonight for something unusual in here. I don't want to come here tonight and just go through the routine, leave, go out to eat. God, I want a supernatural move in here tonight. Say this with me. God, open our eyes like never before. Psalms 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from you. God, open my eyes. God, when I open this Bible, I'm gonna see wondrous things. And I wrote this one down. This is my favorite, favorite Bible verse, one of the first ones I ever learned. Jeremiah 33, three. Call unto me and I will answer you. But I want you to listen to this last part. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. In other words, God is wanting to show us things that our mind cannot comprehend. God is wanting to do things in our lives and show up in things, but we have to prepare ourselves. God has so much for for us that we can even understand. If you would stand with me tonight as I close, with every eye closed and every head bowed. If you say, Pastor Mike, never in my life have I ever had the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I gotta do it tonight. I'm begging you all, don't, if that's you I'm talking to tonight, don't leave this room without accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Pastor Mike, my life's not where it needs to be and I need to get back on the right path. I'm not gonna ask for a one, two, three. I'm not gonna ask for your hands to come up. But if you say, Pastor Mike, tonight, I've got to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior before I leave this room, would you come right down here to the front? I have two parts to this altar call. We're gonna do two things. But that's you with nobody looking around. If you know Jesus Christ, if he's the Lord of your life, I'm asking you to intercede right now. I'm gonna to go to the second part, but if you still wanna come up here and you wanna accept Jesus Christ, just find me. Here's the second thing, and I'm not sure where you're at, but Josh, I'm gonna need your help here in a second, please. Can I have a prayer worker over here to the side, please? Ms. Jenny, if you could. I said this earlier, and I'm gonna say it one more time. We as a church are needing throughout this body, we are needing miracles. Not just common run of the mill miracles, but we need deaf ears to open. Can somebody say amen? We need cancer out of this church in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't want it to be said about another member of our church. I told Brad Carson the other day on the phone, I'm waiting for that phone call when he comes home. Mike, no more trips, it's over. I'm waiting on that prayer. Right now, if you have a, you have a situation, you need a miracle in your life, whether it be healing, finances or something, I dare you to put your hand up right now believing that God's gonna move on that. Come on, come on. Right now, down here in front of me, Pastor Zach, Ashley, Amy, anybody that come, I need prayer warriors right here. Pastor, 
Josh, if you could come up here and just lead this prayer. Guys, as they come this way, if you raised your hand, I need you to move. You gotta activate that faith. We're gonna be down here. We're gonna start praying with you. And Pastor Josh is gonna lead this prayer right now. Go ahead and come on down. I wanna encourage every person that's making their way up here tonight. Come up here with an expectation. Come up here with an expectation. Come up here knowing that you're sons and daughters of God. Come up here knowing that you're the apple of his eye. Come up here knowing that in through everything that you've gone through, he's never left you. He'll never leave you, nor will he forsake you. Because as you come up with an expectation, your faith builds. Church, would you right now stretch your hand this way? This is important. I want to ask the question, those of you that are out here, how many of you have witnessed a miracle? You've witnessed a miracle. Okay. I want there to be an agreement in the house tonight because those that are up here are up here for specific reasons and they're needing what you've seen. They're needing the same kind of miracles that you've witnessed before. And let's pray, Father, in the strong and in the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says it is the name that is above every name. It is the name at which angels bow and the name at which demons quake. Father, right now we are praying and we are asking for a supernatural demonstration of your power. God, as Pastor Mike preached tonight, Lord, there are unusual miracles, but that means there are also some common miracles, which sounds even kind of crazy on its face. But Lord, we are expecting and we are believing as your children, our faith has been stirred this night. God, we are asking for you to show up and intercede in the lives of these people that are here, those that need physical healing, those that need a touch in their body, those that need a touch in their minds, those that need a touch maybe in the soulish realm, their, their, their wills, God, and their emotions. Maybe they've went through trauma. Maybe they've went through emotional pain that has just traumatized them, that's kept them bound. And their wounds have become open wounds where the enemy takes advantage of it. God, we're praying for healing in that. God, those that just come in downtrodden, those that come in maybe with addictions, Lord, those that just come in bearing the burden and the weight of things that maybe they can't even explain. Maybe it's just a, uh, a heaviness and a cloud over them, God. God, we're praying for a miracle. We're praying for breakthrough. Lord, we have unified this night. There's 200 people in here that are in unity and believing that breakthrough is coming. Come on, church, those that's out there in your seats, come on. How many of you believe in breakthrough? How many of you believe in breakthrough? Would you right now lift your hands high? Lift them high. Begin to give God praise on credit for what He's doing. Come on, let's give Him praise. 
Hallelujah. I'm going to invite the church to stick around for just a moment. I believe God is still on the move. But we're going to take just a few more minutes and we're going to begin to pray and lay hands on these that are up here. And church, I'm going to ask you to sing along with our praise team as they begin to sing.
you're praying, continue to pray, but I'm just going to ask everyone that's out there, would you just lift your hands to heaven? We're believing for reports of miracles of God. We're believing that God is moving on our behalf. Lord Jesus, we come for you, united, believing in your power, believing that you have the ability in any moment to move in any situation. It's a night we gave them to you, and we're believing we're going to hear stories of your goodness. We're going to hear stories of your power, that the miracles are be- going to become a normal thing 
in this church, in this community, and in this region. Because the people of God have faith in you. We have faith in your ability to move mountains. We have faith in the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. That your blood poured out provides spiritual, physical, emotional healing in a moment, in an instant. And we engage this community with the power of the Holy Spirit in our souls. Lord, make us bold. Fill us with faith. Change this church. Change this community. Change our work sites. Change our schools. Move through us, Holy Ghost. We have faith in your power. Let us make your name great. Let us magnify your name with our life. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. If you're praying, keep praying. But we bless you all in the name of the Lord. You may be dismissed. If